everyone. Welcome to the Lipstick League. I'm Natalie Aganoff. And I'm Nicole Maholic, where sports and pop culture come to play. And I mean, what a guest this week. I mean, uh, we bring it's you a big one for me. Yeah, it's a, it's a one huge one for you. And it's a huge one for our audience because we like to bring um, badass women and we, we say badass women and the men that we allow on can't be assholes. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. So that's our motto. That's our motto. So like women, you know, are it. And then if we do have some men on, they just can't be assholes. So the fact that we have you on uh, Natalie, why don't you do the, the, in, the really honors, no introduction, but do the honors. <laughs> right. Um, so ladies and gentlemen, Rhea Hughes from the WIP morning show with Angela Cataldi. Um, basically for anybody who's listening outside of Philadelphia, um, Rhea it has been the premier female voice in Philadelphia since, I mean, what year? I, you I, I'll help you out here. And I started really young, just so anybody thinks I'm really old. I hit my 25th anniversary in August. Wow. So, okay, so you just say yeah, you so started 25- when you were 12. Thank yeah. you. Because <laughs> yeah. you know, the book yeah, for the past, yeah. for the past 25 years, for free Rhea, before. <laughs> yeah. Rhea has been the only, pretty much the only full-time female for ever, I think, um, in Philadelphia Sports Talk Radio. Um, and then th- uh, there have been other women there. Um, Sue, at, Sue, Sue Schilling, she and she's back, there. by the way. She's back oh, doing good. that, which I'm, Sue is one of my favorite people. So she's, yeah. uh, you know, the pandemic hit and you, we know everything went straight to hell. Uh, yeah. But she is back doing some part-time work with us. That's awesome. Oh, good. So yeah. um, Sue Schilling was one of the other names. And then, um, you know, there had been women throughout the industry who had come and gone, but Rhea really uh, stayed the course and, my dad always used to say you could be the next great <laughs> you. So that's pretty much what my career yeah. trajectory was. Thank you to your dad. I, yeah. For, I mean, honestly, from the time I was, um, cause that's what we would do. Me and my dad would drive around, listen to Angelo in the morning when he would drive me to school and it would be your voice that was there. And that's what my dad would just say. You could do this now. You could be the next. Great <laughs> it was right. Behold up. Lo and behold, I, I kind of made it. I have bigger shoes to fill yet. I'm not at your status yet, but it's can I been... can I tell a fun little story for for our listeners, which is yeah. always dear and dear to my heart uh, oh, with my son. So when Natalie first started out with us, you know, she was a baby, and um, we had an event at the station, and my son was only like a year and a half old, and we had to take some pictures and do some stuff, and as any year and a half old will do, he'll fuss. And Natalie, as sweet as she is, said, "Let me take him around." And she grabbed my grabbed the stroller and took him and walked him around the whole studio and let me do what I needed to do, which is what women and when women help other women do their jobs, it's it's yeah. really it's an amazing thing. Clark, come here for a second. I just got to show you real quick, Nicole. So he was one and a half the last time Natalie saw him. Okay. And now let me show him now. He's twelve. Hi. This oh, is my baby. Hi, my red I can't believe he's <laughs> So cute. Yeah, he's all he's all grown up now, and he's Aww, my IT guy. He set me up for this tonight. I had no idea how to do Zoom, but you know, um, <laughs> you did a good job. So, yeah, uh, so Clark, I remember that day. <laughs> I I remember the day. You know what it was, Rhea? It was when um it was when six ten it was when six ten switched to ninety. Oh, when we switched to ninety four. So everybody was in the studio, and yeah, I was the receptionist. They called me off a of vacation, and I go, I don't have a babysitter. Yeah you know, women problems. Yeah. And I go, yeah. they're like, right. you must be here. And they're like, 
we got to take the picture. They go, what are you going to do with the kid? And I'm like, uh, I like, okay, I don't, what do you want me to put them out in the car? You know, yeah. I work with a bunch of men. They're like, get rid of the kid, you know, but Natalie was great and I know. he took care of him. And now, now he's in seventh uh, grade. Oh my God, I love <laughs> I it. it. Wait, really quick, before, I want to say thank you for, I mean, I did mornings for yeah. almost eight years and I still have PTSD from it. So the fact <laughs> That you at eight o'clock at night it took some time for us. So thank you. Oh you, no, you it's, get it's up at what time? Three o'clock. Three a.m. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah. and people say you get used to it. You just don't. You do not get used. Well, to see, it. you only did it for eight years. That's see, true. I, I, like literally, sometimes it's three a.m. on a Saturday morning. I will wake up in a panic attack and go, "Oh my god, do I have to go to work?" And I'm like, oh, "It's Saturday," and I, you know, <laughs> and then I go back to sleep. So. So it's, it's all good. Um, so take us back, like sure. start from the beginning. Okay. Um, you know, what hospital were you born in? You oh. Know? <laughs> <laughs> oh God, Lankanall. I was born nice. in Lankanall. Um, <laughs> but I'm, I'm born and raised in Southwest Philadelphia, which I'm very proud of. Uh, 6359 Reedland Street. Um, went to St. Barney's. Um, went to Padua Academy in Wilmington, Delaware, actually. Got oh, uh, wow. commuted down there every day. Um, wow. My two sisters went to West Catholic. My, I, you know, there were actually, the time I went, there were about a hundred girls who went from Southwest Philadelphia to Padua. I, you know, I don't know what the reason was, but that's, I, my mom sent me there. But then I went to Temple, which is where I always wanted to go um, because I always wanted to do radio. I, um, I have radio in my blood. My, my first dad, I say that I have two dads. So my first dad uh, unfortunately passed away before my fourth birthday, but he was a, a radio DJ. And I don't really have any recollection of him doing it. My brother's... My mom and dad had six kids, so they have a lot more recollection than I do. I have none. Uh, and then my mom married my stepdad, who my parents, I still have them at 86 and 83. My oh, stepdad wow. raised me, a retired police officer. But radio's in my blood because it's what my dad did. And uh, my mom has always told people when I was four years old, I announced that I was going into radio. And I never, and she kept saying, your father never made a cent. <laughs> ever made any money and we had six children and it was brutal um but I've always wanted to do it so um I went to Temple for radio television and film which uh, it's changed now I think it's SCAT School of Communication and Theater but when I was there we called it RTF which was a joke for rather than fail um but <laughs> you know we, I, that's what I went for I studied my junior year in London which was an amazing experience fun. yeah it was a lot of fun but I got to work at the radio station. I did play-by-play. -play. I did, you know, uh, my very first, what I love about my mother is my mother is my biggest supporter and my toughest critic. Yeah. So I do my very first broadcast at WRTI uh, Temple. And it was a lot of, lot of tennis names. It was Wimbledon. And I, I got off there and I go, I hit every Russian name, every, you know, I nailed everything. <laughs> Yeah. And I get off the air and I call my mom. And at that time, I just wanted to let people know they're used to only be able to talk to people by like phones that had stuff connected to it because there was no cell phones yeah. then. Um, and I called her and I said, how'd I do? And she goes, you dropped the G's off of all of your words. And that's a Philadelphia thing. I get that. Yeah. Um, and, but my mother was very upset about that. And she, and I, but I, I never did it again. Although people tell me when I'm mad, I dropped the G's off of all of my words and I revert back to my Southwest Philadelphia days. So that's kind of where 
I came from and started. It never, it never truly, truly leaves you. The accent still. No, leaves. it lives deep down inside. No matter how trying, how hard you try to work it out. Because no. I always say, you're like, I can talk really well. I'm really great. And yeah. Then you get mad and it just. Cut. Mac now will text me sometimes. I go, Oh, I hear that accent right now. <laughs> <laughs> so, what was your first radio job after you graduated? Give a little. After I graduated, it was. Um, it was WILM News Radio in Wilmington, and you'll okay. love this. Um, you know, this was in the Stone Ages for women in sports uh, back when I started. So I go, I you know, I I took the first radio job I could get. So I go to WILM News Radio, and I'm doing news, which I I have so much respect for news reporters, yeah, because a lot of it is really awful, and I yeah. realized within a year of doing it that. That's not anything. I always knew I wanted to do sports, but I took the job I could get in radio. You always, radio is always about yeah. getting experience, getting on the air, because the more you're on air, the more comfortable you are, the more you can speak. And um, uh, the sports director leaves. So they, they had a hole and there was nobody there to do it. And I said, I'll do it. And they said, we're not paying you an extra cent. And I said, I don't care. I'll do it. I'll do it in what? addition to Glad to see they weren't paying people extra back then either. <laughs> yeah, no, no, exactly, exactly. But Nicole, here's the funny thing is, I said, can I get you guys to write me a letter so I can go cover the Eagles? Because we were in Wilmington, Delaware. And in order to get that, I had to show that I was with an affiliated outlet. And again, we're not going to pay you. And I said, I don't care. And that's how in this business, and Natalie will tell you that, I made the connections that I still have today. I went to cover, I think it was Buddy Ryan. I want to say it was, gosh, um, it was early 90s. And yeah. um, I went to cover games and I made connections that I still have to this day. And I didn't care. I would, I was working more. I was doing the morning drive there and I would go to night games and I never slept. But, you know, I'm, I'm 21, 22 years old. Who cares about sleep? Because you're going, I'm on the air. Yeah. And I'm covering games. So that was my first one. And I did it for a long time until they found a qualified man to do it. But I will say this, you know, that was, you know, back in my day, that's the way it was. And the guy who replaced me wound up being a really good friend and was horrified that, 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 ha and, and he was like, oh my God, but happy that I got the job. And I didn't, and I didn't lose my job doing news. Right. So it was all good. And, and we, we, we were really good friends. What, um, I always ask people this, what is your, when's your birthday? What's your sign? Oh, I'm a Capricorn, December okay. 29th, because four days after Christmas, quick story, Nicole, the best <laughs> gift I ever got or the funniest gift. I was like 15 or 16 and my, uh, I have two sisters and six brothers, but my one sister, yeah. <laughs> and I'm the baby. My God. Um, wow. My one sister, Stephanie, I open up my present for Christmas, you know, December 25th, my birthday's four days later. And it was a sneaker. It was the right one. I got the left one four days later. <laughs> yeah. Um, I'm, I'm July 29th. So we're both 29s. Yeah. There um, you go. I always ask people that because obviously like, and Natalie and I talk about this and I think it's one of the main reasons Natalie and I click so well is that we, you ha we have that thing that like made us want to win. Right. It's like yeah. you had that thing that like, I was the same way. Natalie was the same way. I mean, I, when I was an intern at Q102 back in the day, like I wasn't getting paid and I still worked like 40 hours a week because I wanted you didn't to care. You didn't care, you know, you, right? You were like so thrilled to be in the business. Yeah. Like you just, the hours didn't matter. The hour, the hours didn't count. Right. But on top of that, the fact that you 
were like, no, I want this. I want you to write me a letter. I wanted to cover the teams. Like yeah. you just had that initiative, that chutzpah to like go. Nicole, and- I was shocked they gave me the letter and they gave it to me. I was like, yes, I'm going to go to a game and cover it, you yeah. know? So it was cool. Well, but do you think you always had that inside you? Like, do you think it, that was just um, something that na- you naturally had? Well, I think I, like, I always loved sports and I got that from my mom. Yeah. So, and you have to understand in my family, like I said, I come from a large family. The two in front of me are both PhDs. They're really bright. My sister was a scholarship athlete at St. Joe's, played ball there. But, you know, my brother's a, a PhD in physics, my sister international business. I didn't, schooling was not, I, I, my parents said, you have to go to college and you have to get a degree. Like, like there was no, back then, now you can kind of go, I'm going to take a gap year and do whatever I want. But back right. then, you know, my parents were like, no, you're going to college. And I said, well, this is what I want to do. I love radio and I love sports. So I just figured the just best knew. way to have a, a great job and a great life and do what I want is to marry those two things together, which was when they let me behind the mic to do play-by-play for basketball at Temple, I had no clue what I was doing. But I know I had watched games for like forever. Yeah. So yeah. I just... Once that mic turns on, it's kind of an adrenaline rush. And it's, and I will say to this day, when I turn that mic on every morning at 6am, it's, it's really exciting to me. It still is, you know, 25 years later. Yeah. What, what was it like? So when you were covering the games, um, originally in your first position, uh, for the Eagles, what was, what were, what was the atmosphere like back then? Like, what was the press box? Like, is that where you were? Where was, what was that atmosphere like at the time? I mean, how many women were even in there back then? One, Donna McQuillan. Uh, and unfortunately, Donna's uh, no longer with us. Uh, Donna oh. was the only other woman who was there. And I have to say, you hear a lot of horror stories. I was lucky I didn't have those horror stories. I actually had guys who were, I didn't even know what hallway to walk down. I mean, that's how green I was. But I think that they, you know, people recognize when people are green and they don't know what they're doing and they're helpful. Um, I will tell you, I was probably 22 and I was covering a Sixers practice after there had, if you ever go back and look in history, there was a situation in New England with the Patriots with Lisa Olson, who was a reporter, a sports reporter. Yeah. And um, it it was sexual harassment basically in the locker room and it became a massive story. And I just would, you know, came to practice the next day. Like I normally do. And like I said, I'm 22 years old. I'm as green as can be. And it's why I love Charles Barkley is one of my, and he probably doesn't remember this, but I'm, I'm there, you know, with Donna McPhillan, you know, just there's two of us and there's all these guys around and he stops and he looks at both of us and he says, let me explain something to you. You ever have a problem in my locker room because it is my locker room. You come to me and you tell me. And that was it. That was said once very quickly done. It was like, this won't be tolerated. And, and Charles is, and Charles always said a lot of funny stuff and, crazy stuff. And, you know, he's, you know, he is what he is, but I always appreciate it that from the moment he said that I knew that I, and I never did. I I'm lucky. Like I never had those problems. Uh, I had a problem one time getting stopped in when Michael Jordan was in town, I got stopped in stopped by a security guard going into the locker room to get sound. And it was just, it was Michael Jordan. That was like a rock star. And he's like, you got to have a credential. And I'm like, Dude, right here. See, it's right. like says right. credential. Yeah. <laughs> so, and, that, and that was really it. I, that, I mean, I was lucky. I, I didn't really have a lot of 
I didn't have a lot of bad situations. Um, yeah. I also came about in the time of no social media. So I was lucky within that aspect. Yeah. So how did you end up at WIP? Um, so, uh, so I was at uh, WI on news radio. Then I got a chance to go to uh, a place in State College, which wow. for somebody from Southwest Philadelphia is like going to Kentucky. Um, <laughs> it's very, it's in the middle of the, Penn, and it's nothing yeah. against Penn State. I have a lot of friends who are Penn State fans, but, um, but I had a chance to become the sports person there. So I took it. Um, so I went there, but I was only there for a couple months. And then I got an opportunity to become a producer at WIP. Uh, not a glamorous position. I was 21 or 22 at the time. And I got offered the overnight position. And at the time we were not 24 hours a day, all sports overnight. We rang Larry King. Wow. So I was responsible. <laughs> yeah. So I had to run the commercial breaks and no lie to you. I would set an alarm. I brought an alarm clock because I would fall asleep. But every 20 minutes I'd, I'd hit that spot. And I, <laughs> but, uh, so that was my first one. Then I moved up to, uh, to middays. I did Jody Mack. Uh, I was Glenn Macknell, I'll tell you, I was Glenn Macknell's first producer. Uh, then I was um, Steve and Mike, uh, Steve Fredericks and Mike Missinelli. I was their producer. Uh, I would fill in on the morning show. And then Nicole, you'll love this because you're WXCU. Yeah. So I'm filling in for Joe Wechter, longtime producer of the morning show. He's phenomenal. Natalie knows him real well. Yeah. He goes on vacation and the Phillies are in the play, uh, in the world. I think it was 93. Yeah, it was definitely 93. And I get a phone call from a friend. It was coming, you know, it was just came into the morning show and I had to be, happened to be working. And it was a friend of ours and said, hey, listen, you know, I don't know if you or Joe would be interested, but we have an opening for a producer slash on-air host at WXU. You're interested in like, I had been begging our program director, Big B, to put me on the air. I would do tape after tape after, you know, cassette tapes. Again, yeah. I'm, I'm dating myself, but I would, I would get, he goes, I won't put you on the air until you get uh, experience elsewhere. So I went and I went to WXTU for a year and a half. Oh, look at that. And, yeah. So, and, um, and I will say uh, I had the experience, which most people do in radio of getting fired after a year and a half. So, right. <laughs> but I had been working part-time at WIP. They had allowed me to do some weekend updates and uh, I called WIP five minutes after I, I got fired and, you know, crying hysterically. Yeah. Um, cause I, you know, I, I've been working since I was 13 and, uh, and they said, you know, we want you came back for the first year. I covered the Eagles on the road. I got to go to Lambeau field. I got to go to Atlanta. I got to go to Tempe, you know, when they, when the Cardinals played there and in 1997, I joined the morning show. Wow. That's amazing. And so who was on the morning show when you joined, when you first started? Angela is pretty much the same, you know, Angela and Al, uh, were basically, wow. you know, Angela, Al, Wechter, you know, we've had a, you know, a lot of, uh, co-hosts over the year, like the right. athletes that we had as co-hosts have been great. Mitch Williams, uh, the late John Marzano, who was fantastic. Uh, Jonesy has been with us. Now we have Ruben Amaro, we have Billy King. So, but the, the, the stalwarts are Angela and Al. Yeah. And they've still, and it's been, so the same team. It's so rare that that happens, you know, drop dead. Or my son gets through college. I'm willing to take either or. So having, you know, started there and being at the, what do they call it? The um, heritage 
Philadelphia Sports Talk Radio Station. Well, because yeah. when I started at WIP, yeah. it was only six, it was still 610. Yeah. The Fanatic didn't even exist yet. 97.5 yeah. didn't even exist yet. Um, and then like my dad, the day he dropped me off for my interview, because I didn't even have a car. <laughs> I didn't get my license until I was 20. And it was oh my God. And it was only to get a job in radio. Like I didn't have to drive. Wow. You know, I took the bus everywhere. We live so in Philadelphia. Dad, That's why yeah. I live in South Philly. I hope my son never has to drive. So I don't have to worry. Yeah. So, you know, we live yeah. in South Philly, so it's good. Wow. And he'll be 20 and getting his license to get a job in, in radio in college. Um, but <laughs> yeah. so I, my dad, you know, my dad like took his lunch break from, he was an, um, an electrician. He was working at the water department at the time. Okay. And he comes to pick me up and I'm at Temple and, I, and I'm like, dad, like, I got this interview at WIP. Like they're looking for somebody to hand out flyers in the parking lot. And then they're also <laughs> looking for a receptionist, you know? The so crazy like, shit we did when we first started oh out radio. Yeah. I'll hand out flyers. Yes. Yeah. And he, but like, you would have thought that he was like taking me to the Oscars. And then yeah. he was like, we're like driving. And he's like, all right, like, let me know if you see anybody. Like, if you see Angelo, if you see Leah, if you see Al, <laughs> you, see you, know, you know, run the other way. Kind of, pretty much. <laughs> yes. But like, you guys were, you know, like the soundtrack of yeah. so many years of my life. So then when I was able to get in there, it was, it was phenomenal. And it was just so cool. I think to be at that station, yeah. you know, for the beginning of my career and having Nicole, having worked closely with them and being in such good hands, I think is what helped shaped me, helped shape me the path, you know, because yeah. none, none of them ever discouraged me. You know what I mean? Yeah, it, yeah. They all told me it was hard. You know, Rhea, I remember you just being like, look, like you just got to stick it out. Yeah. You know? and, <laughs> it's not, and it just, yeah. No. And, but nobody ever discouraged me. Everybody encouraged me. Never. And I, I think what I always said to you was you, you never, cause my mother said it to me. Don't ever, you know, because you're a woman think that you can't do it, but there yeah. were also, you've chosen to do this. Yeah. So expect that there's obstacles. Yeah, and that's that. just the way, I mean, my mom was just very honest. She goes, you're not taking, you know, the easy route. So expect that. And just, yeah, just, you know, whatever, just, you know, just push them out of your way and, and just move forward. Exactly. And, but the chemistry between you guys yeah. and having ha gotten to be a part of it for so many <laughs> years, it's, I'm telling you, and I used to call, cause when I would leave the show, I'd call my mom and be like, did you listen? How did my segment sound? You know, I know. <laughs> Um, we all do that with our moms. <laughs> yeah. She would listen yeah. every, every Tuesday morning at yeah. 640 and she'd yeah. be like, oh, you did great. And I would, I remember just telling her that you could feel the chemistry between you guys. And I yeah. think that that's where I really learned that there is an ebb and a flow and everything. And just, yeah. it was a fun atmosphere at so many times to be in for me, yeah. you know, so early in my career, just to watch you guys do your thing that, that has worked for year after year to now you're the stalwart, in, you know, in Philadelphia sports talk radio, there's, there's nobody quite in the morning. Well, chemistry, you know, chemistry just comes from working with people for a long yeah. time because our first year, the first years I worked with them, we were on Willow street and Willow street well, spring garden. Everybody calls it. I always called it Willow street because the firehouse was across and that's where we'd go drink after work. You know, I was in my twenties and, you know, we could, <laughs> I had no children. I had, you know, an apartment and, you know, I, have to, I had nobody to go home to. So, right. um, but, uh, um, but it, I was down the hallway. I never even saw Angelo or Al for the first five years. So I had to oh, learn wow. their breathing. So I would know when Angelo was going to take a breath and I was like, okay, you didn't even bam. see them. 
You no, never saw them. them for the first couple of years. I was down the hallway. The the traditional, the newsroom was always separate. Right. I was the only one who, and I actually, no, um, Chris Gamble before me. I don't know if she was in studio, but the newsroom was in a separate area from the studio. And I mean, separate, I mean, down the hallway, you had no visuals. Yeah, so crazy. It, it was all done by ear. So, but it was just like, like Natalie said, it was just learning chemistry. You have to learn. Yeah. Listen, I don't have to learn when Al's going to take a breath because Al's going to take a breath for about 10 minutes. Right. So I can, you know, but when it's Angelo, it's knowing when Angelo's like, but, uh, and I go, and I got it. Yeah. You know, so yeah. it's, you know, that, that was kind of, that's, and it's still to this day. Like I sit there and I go, I got something, I got something good. Ah, crap. I lost, I lost, you know, yeah. you just moved on a sudden, but I'm waiting for to take that total little second that I can get it in. And if I get it in, I get it in. So what do you think the biggest challenge for you was being a woman? Did it, I mean, you came in or maybe not the challenge or just like, how have you seen it change? And do you, do you think that? I'm going to take a sip of my wine as I just, as I think about that. Um. Yeah. (laughs) I, I mean, maybe it is, maybe it's two, maybe it is two separate questions. Maybe the first is the, the challenge because like you said, when you started, you weren't doing it right. And there was no social media Yeah, and it was one of those things like, and it's so true what you said that your mom said about how, like, you kind of knew it was going to be harder, yeah. right? Sure. Until we get to the point where we, where we are now, where the one good, I, mean, I shouldn't say one good thing. There are some good things about social media. One of the things I like most about social media, it really does, does give everybody a voice. So women in general really started to have a much bigger voice um, because there are a lot of women who are obviously super passionate about sports or in just media in general. The the numbers, Nicole, the numbers bear it out. I mean, we had somebody on last week. I didn't even realize this um, when uh, Kate Scott was named the Sixers play-by-play person. We had somebody on to talk about it. Uh, Jay, Jay Black, who's our TV guy. We have him on every Friday. He actually gave us the numbers. The NBA numbers for women are 45%. I was stunned by that number. Wow. So when I heard that, I went, well, you know, so they, the NBA is smart that they, you know, they got to pay attention to those numbers. Yeah. So the you NBA, can come in and get something to drink. It's okay. Clark's like sneaking in. I'm like, you're oh, allowed to get no. something to drink. I feel like I have any rules here. I'm having a glass of wine. Yeah. No, he's fine. I think yeah. out of all, like the four major, yeah. the four majors, baseball, football, basketball, and hockey, that the NBA is just leaps and bounds more progressive than the rest. Like, well, I think, I think in terms of their social media and all that kind of stuff, because I think also, I know the numbers for the NFL are almost equal. Wow. Uh, I really don't. Now I grew up in a baseball family, my mom, my grandmother, my great aunt, I grew up in a, in a, in a family of women who were just baseball fans. That's, that's, was their, that's their thing. Um, but I was shocked that the NBA number was so high. Um, so that's why the Kate, and I think that's Natalie, why you and I started talking, um, was when Kate Scott got hired. Yeah. I was just, I, I, I was on my way to the shore and, um, all right, Clark, I just lost my, uh, hold on. I gotta get my IT guy. I just, I just lost, lost the video. Oh, no. Oh no. <laughs> all right. There we go. All right. He's got there me back go. on. Thanks. Clark. Um, so cute. Full screen. Oh, full screen. There we go. All right. Thank you, buddy. So you gotta have it. You gotta have a 12 year old around. So, yes. I, so, so cute. So I, um, 
So I saw that and I said to myself, do I, it was a Thursday. I said, do I want to read the comments underneath this right, or yeah. do I not? And I go, all right. And I, it took me about 10 or 15 until I got to Natalie's and to, she totally, by the way, Natalie's Twitter game is second to none. And yes. she knows this. I text her all the time. I go, okay, thank you. You just killed someone. I say that. <laughs> I'd like to report time. a murder. Yes. And like, it's so funny because I used to listen to Mike driving home from work after I did mornings. And, and then when Natalie joined, you know, and I was like, oh, this girl. Yeah. And then I was like, oh my God, she's so smart and so yeah. funny. And, and so sassy. Yeah, yeah, it's so hot. And yeah. then I started, and then I started to follow because I'm like, how okay, Chrissy Teigen, you get to be all three. <laughs> and, uh, and so I started following her and I was like, she's so good at Twitter. And I always tell people, I'm like, mine's always like your mom. And Natalie yeah. always has like the best. No, hers is thoughts. like smart and like I said, I want to report a murder. But she's no, what I'm good. saying is like the whole thing about it is I think I'm actually lucky. Like some people have said to me. Don't you wish you would come like 20 years later because the opportunities for women are so much expanded. And that is true. Where I'm lucky is I didn't have to deal with what Natalie has to deal with. Nicole, with what you have to deal with is the people who just, you know, I would get letters. So the letters you choose to read, you know, you, you see the first line and you go, yeah, whatever. And you, and I would throw them in the trash, you know, you belong in the kitchen. And, And what I used to say is that's not anywhere you want me. Although um, once the pandemic happened, I'm I'm an incredible baker. I will make you a lemon, both you a lemon cake. Yum. Apparently it's fantastic. <laughs> People love it. I have taken up baking and cooking and all yeah. that kind of stuff. But 25 years ago, I, you know, I couldn't boil water. But you know, that I I didn't have to deal with the upfrontness of it. Yeah. So when I started on the morning show 25 years ago, the only access people had, because the cowards. I'm on the air six to 10 AM every morning. Mm-hmm. If you want to call me up and come after me, you, you know, you had Wector. Listen, Natalie will tell you, Wector will put anybody on to rip anyone. Somebody calls up and goes, I want to kill Al. I want to kill Rhea. Wector will yeah. bump them to the top of the line because he thinks it's good radio and he's right. I mean, it's, you know, it can be fun. Yeah. But the only other way to access me 25 years ago was a letter. And a letter just doesn't hold the same thing as social media because millions of people aren't seeing it. So it can really mess with your, I think I got off Twitter four or five years ago because I found it toxic. Like I am on Twitter. I have a a private account. I I retweet only the dodo. And when Natalie goes after somebody, that's usually what I retweet. (laughs) I don't, I don't tweet anything. I just use it because I need it for work. Mm -hmm. I need to follow when stories are breaking and that kind of stuff. But Pete, you know, to wake up in the morning and, you know, I'm sure Natalie, you know what I'm talking about and Nicole to get the stuff that you get, you don't want to start off with your morning with you bleepity bleep, you know, please go die. Yeah. Yeah. And like, and for no reason, you know, what's funny, Rhea, people, people message me and they'll say, why do you respond, block and move on? And I'm like, but, but if only you saw how much of it, how much of it I have to say. You're responding to a fraction of what you get. Exactly. And I know that because I know that you used to get it so bad too. And this was, and this was before they started weeding people out. Like there's filters now, but back when Twitter first started. Oh no. When it first started. Yeah. It it literally, it could cripple you emotionally. I mean, I had to like tell family members 
to plead not to read but it when when the inquirer and i have no issue with the inquirer posted the story about my son's birth i never went on and read the messages underneath it because i never wanted no. that moment to be spoiled because yeah. i'm sure because you'll see some great message on twitter like it's just it's heartwarming it's wonderful and you get 10 messages down and then you, and it's just toxic you know it's like hi i have to hit this message as toxic as i can be so I think I was blessed in the beginning part of my era because now I'm, you know, I think after 25 years, I'm established. Yeah, you so don't, I don't need to do it anymore. Well, it, it, it's not, it, I'm not going to sit in a corner and ball up and go, but, I, but I'm, if I'm a 25-year-old young woman starting out and I was reading some of those things, it could really mess you up, you know, mentally and go, I, I can't do this. Now I just go, you know, when, when I'm. What are you doing to me now? Yeah. I'm, 25, yeah. I'm closer to retirement than I am to what you killing me. So, you know, whatever. Right. Um, I, how, uh, Natalie, we're going to say something. Oh, no, I was just going to say, yeah. And that's, and that's essentially why I do sometimes respond. And I know that you're like one of the few people who could speak to the, just the barrage that it can yeah. be. And then some days you're just like, you know what? I'm at it. <laughs> yeah. But I, I love it though. But when you do it, Natalie, you're so, I'm you know, smart. Right. You're very smart about it. And it's He's fun. So and I, and I laugh and I laugh and then I text you. Yeah, <laughs> I know. <laughs> so obviously you, we, we got to meet your son. So yeah. what has being a mom been like, or obviously you're, yeah. you got married. Like, did you yeah. find, you know, a lot of women in this business have, a, are still single for that reason, yeah. because it, a lot of men have a hard time knowing that they're with somebody who's in the public eye. And then now you're saying it's difficult. And, and, you know, I, I am divorced, but I, I'm lucky that uh, Clark and I's uh, father and I are very good friends. We couldn't live with each other. But other right. than that, um, but we're, we're, we're good friends. Um, you know, he never, he, that never, never faced him. But okay. I, you know, um, so it was just, that was who I was when, I, when he met me. So <laughs> that was the least of our issues. Um, was, That's was, good. <laughs> was the, yeah, it was the public nature. Um, it was him telling me how to fill up the dishwasher and, you know, and then I finally dumped it out on the floor and said, well, then you could just fill it up from here and now, but you know, yeah. but that's, <laughs> but no, but we're, like I said, we're, we're friends and Clark, Clark's laughing right now. Um, you know, we love our son and we're, we're lucky to have him. And so, you know, it's, I, I keep that separate. You know, my, when I always say to people, when I get home, you know, I'm, I'm a little quieter, <laughs> um, except when, when my, my son's looking at me, he's like, no, yeah. <laughs> not when I'm watching a game, right. there's a game on what he used to, from the time he was like five years old, I'd be watching a game and I'd be screaming and he'd go, yeah, you know, they can't hear you. Yeah. Right. And I'm yeah, like, yeah. yeah, whatever. But, but uh, it's better this, for me. <laughs> yeah. I said, if they could hear me, the game would probably go a lot better, but, um, yeah. No, just when I, when I get home, I'm just, you know, on the air, you know, we're do we, we are performers. That's yeah. what we are. You know, yeah, we're, yeah, yeah. I try, that's the biggest thing I try to explain to people is we're yeah. putting on a show. So mm -hmm. I'm a performer. When I get home, I got to take the trash out. I, you know, I got home today, do laundry. I painted today. I probably saw a paint on my hands. Um, <laughs> I, you know, so it, you know, when you're home, you're just your mom. So, and you're, you know, your, your girlfriend, your, your sister, your whatever, when you're on the air, you're a performer. Yeah. That's a, that's a, that's a very good point. Yeah. So how does your son feel about you being in the, like, he gets it obviously now. Does it, 
Does, well, here's, it's a, <laughs> this is actually a great transition too, just about radio in general, right? Yeah. Because the conversation is like, how do kids feel about radio? Like, is it, is it cool? I mean, I worry about radio, right? I worry that we're I, not you know, doing- Nicole, I've heard that for forever and we're still there. I mean, I, I, I heard that yeah. 20 years ago that you know, the terrestrial radio was going away. But I know when I get in my car, when I go home, like I, you know, I, I get that I have a lease every two years and it's always installed with, you know, serious and all that stuff. And then when it runs out, I don't renew it. I listen. To, and I listen to, what's that? I do the same exact thing. Yeah. I mean, I just, I just don't, I listen to everything. Mm -hmm. I like, you know, when I get off the air, sometimes I just want to hear music. I, yeah. you know, I just, I need a, I need a break from talk. I need to clear my yeah. head. Um, but I listen, I listen to every local radio station. I have six, seven local radio. And, but I mean, that could be my age. It could be just me that, you know, that that's what I do. Um, but I've been hearing that forever and we're still here. I, I think, I think local radio is essential just because when people are in their cars, they want to know traffic. They want to know what their sports teams are doing. They want to know what the weather is going to be. And I, I just think to rush, uh, you know, that, that local radio delivers that. And, you know, I've been hearing it for 25 years that it's going away and, and I don't see any evidence of that. Well, and especially sports talk radio in Philadelphia. Yeah. So yeah. how do you, how do you think the market is now just with the teams? And do you think that the interest is still there? That's always been, or do you think that, um, I mean, cause you've been through, you know, the, 08 World Series yeah. and then the 2018 Super Bowl. Have you seen the yeah. pulse of the fan base change at all when it comes to sports talk radio? Well, listen, the Eagles are always going to generate everything. So, you know, that's just, they're, they're monsters when it comes to that. I yeah. was showing, we, somebody brought up on the air this morning that, you know, obviously we're talking about it's 10, 11, 10 years since the Phillies have been in the playoffs. So just as a joke, during a break, I brought in and I showed Angela, I said, here's a picture of Clark when he was two. Yeah. At when the Phillies were last in the World Series. And here's him trying on a suit to go to a wedding that we have to go to this weekend. Yeah. And I go, they lost him. Like, he's not a baseball fan. Yeah. Because, I, you know, I, it could be the anger that I have when I'm watching games all the time. But, you know, <laughs> we had, I mean, the greatest experience in my life as a mom was, was the Super Bowl. I mean, it yeah. was... Um, and if I can tell, like, I, I don't know, I, I know we're like running out of time, but I'll just tell no, you. We can go as long as okay. you want. Well, <laughs> I do have to go to bed at some point, but no, but <laughs> this, I, this is the greatest story that a mom could tell. So oh. it's the Super Bowl. So that's, uh, that was 18. You were, how old were you? You were nine. You were nine. So he's nine. So he watched all the play he was in, you know, I, because listen, it's real simple and it's not being a, it's not being a, um, a bandwagon. They were winning. And as a nine-year-old, he was interested. Yeah. Because he yeah. was like, okay, <clears throat> excuse me. He's like, this is fun. So watch the whole season with me. We get to the Super Bowl. He's already, he's got his jersey on, you know, I'm making food. His father's at the Super Bowl, you know, went there. So he's calling him We, you know, everything's great. And we watched the first half and I'm freaking out the whole time. And he keeps going, mama, we're ahead. We're ahead, relax. Halftime comes. And he says, I think I want to go lay down. I'm like, okay, go ahead. So he goes into the couch and I'm sitting here and like 10 minutes into the second half, he's still laying down. And I go, no, I went in. No, <laughs> put my hand on his head. And I go, okay. you gotta be, I mean, he's burning up. 
So I oh. grab, you know, it's me and my brother. I grab, I grab the thermometer, test them, 104. No. I freak out. I'm like, oh my God, I'm going to have to take my son to the hospital during the Super Bowl. Super Bowl. I, yeah, I call his pediatrician. You know what the first thing she says to me? Do you know what's the Super Bowl? <laughs> I had to stop myself from going, what the F do you think? I don't know. It's the right. Right. Do you know who I, what I, who I am and what I do? I, you know, I'm, Nicole, I've never done it. It's the first time in my life. I want to go, do you know who I am? So she goes, listen, and, and this is for any women out there who have kids. She gave me the greatest advice after I got done being angry at her that I've used for years after that. She said, cold compress them. So she goes, just, yeah. Get cold compress, get it down. If it doesn't go down, then take them to the to the hospital. So okay. I said to my brother, we got all these washcloths, threw them in, in the freezer. And for the entire second half, I'm laying on the couch and we're just, but I'm watching the game and I'm cold compressing and we're, we're watching. It goes 103, 102, 101. And we keep doing it and it goes down and it gets to the end of the fourth quarter. And I look up at my brother and I go, we broke a hundred. And he, as I'm, I'm like all excited because he broke a hundred and my brother hands me a glass of champagne and I go, what are you doing? He goes, they just won. Oh my God. And I burst into tears. Oh, and to this so day, good. no, but to this day, my brother's not sure if I cried because the Eagles won yeah. or because his fever broke a hundred. <laughs> and I do bet- you know what that jackass did? He sits up and goes, are we going to Broad Street? <laughs> oh my God. I'm going to kill you. And now you're really going to need to go to the hospital. But like, I just feel like that's the perfect mom story. Yeah. Not just mom, but like how we started this podcast, like badass yeah. working mom, <laughs> badass single working mom. Yeah. The fact that like you have this career that not a lot of women do. Yeah. And it was this moment. I mean, the Eagles in the Super Bowl, like yeah. what a, mo- like it. And then you're, and then he gets a fever. That's what I mean. Like <laughs> as I get as oh, I get sorry. older and I see my like see what it means to be a mom. Like I'm yeah. I'm, I'm always on the phone with my mom, like, I'm sorry, I was such a jerk. <laughs> I mean, he just did everything. Like I can't even so it's like to think and that's what like that is like the perfect epitome of like Nicole. I didn't see yeah. the entire second half really until two days later. I like sat down and watched it, and he walked in the room and I said, you go as far away from me as possible because <laughs> yeah. you have no fever and I need to actually watch it. Well, yeah, so, I mean, not and especially because you had, you had listened to the Philadelphia sports fan base for years. Yes. Yeah. years. Yeah. Like, do you know what you did to me? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, but when you hear that day in and day out, you're like, my God, yeah. can they just please finally win it? Yeah. Um, but, and bef- speaking of that, before we yeah. run out of, um, yeah. before we do run out of time, <laughs> Um, thoughts on how this season is going so far. Oh God. Um, thoughts on Sirianni, thoughts on Hertz. Yeah, we need Hertz. Listen, I think I I, Ben Simmons too. Well, oh God, you know, okay. Let me just say this about Ben Simmons. I'm a, um, I'm a negative person from time to time, but I, it's because you're a Capricorn. Yes, that's true. I do know that about me. We Capricorn. Now, you know, I never liked the process. I never was a Ben Simmons fan. So none of this surprises me except for the outright quitting. The, I, I yeah. will give you this. I'm down in Florida. I had not seen my parents for a year. 
So, you know, because of the pandemic, I finally got fully vaccinated. So beginning of June, flew down to Florida to see my parents. 86 to eight, my mother's 83. We're yeah. watching the first game, the first playoff game against the Wizards. And we're watching the game. My mom goes, what's up with this dude who can't shoot? And I'm like, mom, I go, they're paying him 163, you know, whatever, 170, yeah. but I said 165 yeah. million. I, I fly home, spend a couple of days when I fly home. She watches the playoffs and about a week later, I get a text message and she goes, could you just tell me what they're paying the guys who can shoot? <laughs> and I said, wow. I said, well, that's Helen. Uh, the Ben Simmons thing, he's a disgrace. I mean, to not take that shot, not take that, um, uh, the dunk and what's happened since he's the worst Philadelphia athlete ever. And I just, I, you know, I know it's not good for the Sixers. I want them to make him rot all season long. That's what I want. I, love I want it. them to find the crap out of him and he yeah. sits at home and his, all his Hollywood friends never get to see him play. I, that's what I want. I know it's not good for the Sixers. I know it's not um, what's good for the team, but it's what I want as somebody who finds him really disrespectful. To Did the you game. see he officially put his Ritz pad on the market today? But he hasn't so he, put his Morristown one on the, right. on the you know, and if so he's trying to make, he's trying to thing. make some of that money back that he got. Yeah, like, you yeah. know what, Nicole, yeah. I thought the same thing. Yeah. I was like, 360,000. Let's sell the 3.6 million. Oh. I'm going to get that back. Yeah. Uh, Nick Sirianni, Nick Sirianni uh, listen, I'm, I'm concerned obviously, uh, but he's young and you know, right. we, we had Andy Reed young. We had Doug Peterson who wasn't necessarily super young, but was inexperienced. Yeah. You know, green, green. Yeah. I think people are not given, you know, I think if you really want to put the numbers down with what Jalen Hurts is doing, listen, I did not, you know, Angelo was funny. He, he said it towards the end of last year. I had soured on Carson Wentz long before he did. And I was like, I don't like this guy. He's a phony. He's a fake. He's not very good, blah, blah, blah. So I, I like what I see in Jalen Hurts. Uh, I'd like them to run the ball more, but you know, I, Natalie, you know me, I've been saying that for 20 years. <laughs> I'd like them to run the ball more. Yeah, I think yeah. if you put his numbers up against other quarterbacks in their first couple of years, they're comparable or better. And I think he deserves a chance. Uh, is he a franchise guy? I don't know, but I think he deserves a chance to do that. How do you go ahead now? Oh, I saw an article today and they were saying, you know, is this, is Nick Sirianni not even a one-term coach? And I'm like, we can't fire him yet. Listen, I mean, do I think he cost them the San, the San Francisco game? San Francisco well, yeah. game? Absolutely. Did I not like the mistakes that he made in the, in the Dallas game? I didn't like them. They were never winning that game. Um, the Kansas city game. I thought they had chances, but the defense, it didn't matter. It didn't matter the if penalties. the Eagles had scored on every yeah. single drive. The defense was going to get, they never punted. So they were going to, so um, I think he, I think Nick's inexperience cost them the same. So I think they should be two and two. Does that mean the guy should be fired? No. Am I disappointed in some of the miss? Yeah, I, I am. But I'm not ready to say the guy is not a good coach. I'm not, you know, get back to me in six games. Did you, yeah. <laughs> were you for Doug leaving or did you think Doug should have stayed? I was not a fan of Doug by the time I, I had been done with him. I, okay. I hated his play calling. So I was, I, listen, I felt 
like I needed to take a shower after saying that because the man did bring us a Super Bowl. Yeah. And, and let me tell you something, all this nonsense about it was Frank Reich. You know, look at Frank Reich's record. Frank Reich hasn't done that much since he's been there. I think Doug has been disrespected in terms of what he did for the Super Bowl. It was the perfect storm. He pressed yeah, all yeah. the right buttons. It and was, I think he does. Yeah. It was the Lord Jesus who came Oh, no, down. you know, God, yeah. God bless him. It was a, <laughs> Was Clark yeah. getting a you know 104 fever? Yeah, but um, but I'm telling you, I I was I was done with I was done with Doug's play calling last year. I hated it. Uh, I didn't like it, and I was okay with it. So do I'm you not think- sold on Nick Sirianni, but I'm not I'm not ready to say the guy. Listen, I wanted to fire the defense coordinator at halftime. Yeah. I didn't want to fire Nick. Nick, yeah. So we Natalie and I talk a lot about how Philly is too, and she and I disagree in some capacity but not i i feel that philly is because and and social media makes it worse sure philly social media makes everything worse yeah is is just too intense and it's not working anymore right that like if if we were winning if our four main teams Mm -hmm. were winning and and the fans and i get it right the opposite of love is not hate it's indifference the fans love it that they hate it right but the new wave of athletes it, it's just different the, the way that their brains are wired oh no doubt the fame is different right they're famous before they become professional athletes sure. and i feel well, that's like, ben simmons yeah yeah and it's carson it's also carson wentz natalie yeah. and i also have a, what's called we love to join you it's called the trevor lawrence science project science <laughs> yeah. experiment because my theory is that these young players who are who never had to go through any adversity, sure. once they hit a level of fame and they're chosen as number one, number two, sure. soon as adversity hits, they can't handle it. And they and well, they and they especially and I, in the I agree. That's that's why I don't think you have to worry about it with Jalen Hurts. You know, look at what Jalen right. Hurts went, Alabama had to leave and go to Oklahoma. That kid, right. I don't think pressure bothers him in, in any iota. He's gonna, you know, he's his level is going to be what his level is going to be, but it's, it's not going to be because of the pressure. Yeah, I, I think his level on, is going to be what his talent can be. Right. Yeah. But and it's so, not going to be internal pressure or external pressure from the fans. Right. And I try to deal like, with Alabama fans. They're crazy. Crazy. Right? Yeah. <laughs> but I think with Ben Simmons, like, I think that there are some people who their brains aren't wired to be yeah. champions. Well, let's just say that Ben Simmons, was always told from the time he was a child that he was the greatest. Right. When he had, you know, you go back to his time at LSU, these signs were all there. These signs were all there that things he didn't want to do, things he didn't want to do, didn't want to shoot, didn't want to do this. You can see that in players. So I I, I don't want to say it's a Philadelphia thing because I think it's true. There's not a city in the world, a fan base in the world, that would have looked at what he did was failing to take that shot or failing to become a better free throw shooter. We had all gotten to the point where we're like, we don't need three point shots. We don't need jump shots. We just want to get free. What? I mean, that's insane. You're a basketball player. I don't think there's a fan base in the world that would have tolerated Ben Simmons. Not a single one. You can give me other. And, and listen, Carson Wentz was deified right up in time until he was benched. That's when, you know, I mean, he, he literally, I wasn't a fan of his because yeah. I had, I had seen enough and the injuries paid a part of it, but I, I think there's fan bases are the same anywhere. Like we, we just, 
every fan base knows their players intimately. And so their I just our impressions. Like, look what happened to Gabe Kapler. We drove him. Oh, no, no, listen. Here no, you know, you're no, I'll give I'll absolutely give you Gabe Kapler, but Gabe Kapler was never gonna work in Philadelphia. That the way he spoke to people, and, and I agree. Listen, he's the manager of the year, and clearly the problems were not him. Right, I will right. absolutely give you Gabe Kapler. But Gabe Kapler's persona was not ever going to work in Philadelphia. It just wasn't. But that's what I mean. Like, why can't Philly evolve? I mean, you see it every day and hear I don't it every think, day. I don't think not like the way Gabe Kapler's, every, the way he spoke was so scripted and so annoying. And so, I, I mean, I couldn't stand okay. it. Like, I just don't think that was ever going to work in Philadelphia. And listen, I want Girardi to not be back in the worst way. I am not a Girardi fan. Like, literally, I thought he was going to be good. And yeah. I've watched him the last two years, and I can't stand the guy. I think he's a horrible manager. But that doesn't mean that I – Gabe Kapler, the way he spoke did not work for Philadelphia. That doesn't mean that I'm wrong or you're wrong. Yeah. I just think that wasn't going to ever work here. But that's that's one example. Listen, we all wanted Ryan Sandberg, Ryan Sandberg, and he quit on the team. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, he, he was just like, oh, <laughs> we were wrong. We were wrong about Charlie Manuel. We had Charlie Manuel as a, you know, as a, um, uh, you know, a hayseed. He was perfect for that team. I think they should have won two championships, but you know, but he was perfect. No, we can be absolutely wrong about players, but I don't think we're different from other fan bases in that respect. Okay. Except well, that, you know, we're, 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 we are more passionate, but I think, I think when it comes down to certain things like Ben Simmons, fan bases would look at him the same anywhere. I guess, but you, I don't know. I think, but like you saw the story about the guy in Florida who captured the alligator in the trash can. Did you see that? You mean Eugene Bozzi, whose name I know? Yes. Uh, no, I named him winner of the week last week. Yeah. There, I'll okay, catch so this. Oh, I'll yeah, take please. a shot. Unlike Ben Simmons. Yeah. It's, it's Nelson Aguilar. It's, it's the guy going, yes. I'm going to catch the baby. I'm like Nelson Aguilar. Yes. But like yes. we, we ruined Nelson too. Poor Nelson was like destroyed from he. From and let fans. me tell you something. What, what I've said all the time, Nelson, Nelson's play in the Super Bowl goes us uh, is the most underrated game a guy go look at his I think he had 100 yards eight catches 109 yards yeah completely underrated but he missed big plays I mean I don't think there's a fan base out there Nicole that forgets those things the Gabe Kapler thing I I I was sick of him just because I couldn't stand the way he talked but he's obviously <laughs> a good manager. I'll give you that he's a good manager clearly yeah I I guess like I love the Philly passion but sometimes the talk the toxicness, toxic. What's the word? Toxicity. Toxic. I know. I struggle. Toxicity. Toxicity. It gets. It, it is. But, but, I, but I. But I think that's. It's a double-edged sword. It's. It's a good thing and it's a bad thing. We just got a a, a PD at WIP who came from Phoenix and he goes, I wanted to come here because like, I wanted to know what it's like to be in a city that like, are lunatics when it comes yeah. to. And we are. I mean, we are, and it's what it what gives me a job. You know, what keeps me employed, uh, keeps, and listen, I love it. I'm, I watch games when I don't have to. It's Friday night and Clark goes, do you have to watch? Do you have to watch the Phillies? And I go, yes, because I like to. He goes, you don't appear to like it so much because yeah. you're yelling. So, but I just think, 
I think, listen, we, we are into it. Uh, are we overboard? Are we absolutely wrong on players and managers? Thousand percent. You know, yeah, I think, very, I think there's it's no a very doubt about balanced, that. That's a very balanced um, assessment. I think it, I think it's the most balanced assessment that we've had so far, Nicole. <laughs> Go on figure. The a badass right? woman with the best assessment. Right. No, see, <laughs> yeah. but like seriously. Yeah. I, I, I guess, that, were, I guess that most times were completely and totally wrong. Yeah. yeah. Well, <laughs> I think what frustrates me the most is that like, we are this massive, massive city yeah. with so much passion and knowledge. Right. Yeah. And yet for whatever reason, our four biggest sports teams, we can't get it right. Like there's always yeah. something it's like, look at the yeah. four teams right now. And it's like, are you kidding me? We are Phila freaking Delphia yeah. and we're, it is horrible in, in the sports world right now. So I think that that's where I, I'm like, we need, something needs to change. Like yeah. we can't keep like, it, it, like the Carson Wentz thing was traumatic enough yeah. and then having to deal with all the stuff what's going on with Ben Simmons. And then the Phillies not making, it's like, Jesus give us something but i think nicole what i think is it's the fans don't bear as much like listen we're loud and we're fans we say this the people have all the control are you know alice al says it all the time and it's it's an old thing if you start to listen to the people in the stands and make decisions based on it you'll soon be sitting with them they have to the owners the gms they have to make better decisions we can yell and yeah. scream all we want because no one's paying us. I mean, well, they're paying me. That's what I do in yeah, the morning. Yeah, yeah. But I mean, like fan base, that, that's their right to complain, watch a game and go, that guy sucks and he's never going to be any good. The next game, oh my God, he's the greatest. That's what fans are. But it's the owners, the GMs, the managers who have to be better. They got to be better. Yeah. Yeah. That's See, and that's that's my take on it is like, I'm, I can't, and especially, you know, being born and raised here. Yeah that it's just, it just is what it is. So I, there's a part of me that I get frustrated with the fan base because I'm like, yeah. sometimes we do stupid things, but at the same time, I I'm always looking at the, the people who are in charge and the people yeah. who are getting the money for the sand, the fans going into the, to the seats. Yeah, you know, they're, like, they're the ones who they, they hold all the power. Like what's going on with Ben Simmons, that, that situation, cause it will turn, it will play different uh, nationally. It'll eventually turn into the fans turning away. But you, Nicole, Natalie, we all know those fans that he played in front of supported him for five years like yeah. nobody's business. Yeah. And, you know, Daryl Morey came in here and went, yeah, I'm seeing what all these other people. That's that's where it turned. Ben yeah. Simmons realized that Daryl Morey, Morey realized that he's not that good. Right. He's, he's a phenomenal defensive player, phenomenal facilitating. But you don't pay $170 million to a guy who plays great defense. You just don't. Yeah. And that's a manager decision. That's not a fan. And, and the fan base supported that guy. And I know we were on the air getting crushed for our opinions on, on Ben Simmons right up until he didn't take that shot. And then, yeah. you know, people were just like, you know, that he is what it is. So, but, but you're right. I mean, listen, it goes all the way, but I think that the ultimate thing is it comes down to the ownership managers, you know, and coaches. Well, yeah. And at the end of the day, like you see, the thing with the Eagles, like I try, I try not to think about it. Cause it makes me, I'm like, we won the Super Bowl <laughs> and we went like this yeah. uh -huh. and here we are. Right. But guess what? The stadium, the link's still sold out. Jeffrey Lori is still making money. It doesn't oh, yeah, it always will be. 
it does, it always will be. That show coming from a mile away. At least I felt like I did. I was like, oh, go here. The wheels go. The wheels are going to start to fall off. And now yeah. I'm just like, well, this is just fantastic. <laughs> but we're still going to watch every weekend. <laughs> yes, we are. Yes, we are. I will tell you, I'm not this season. Like I, I really, I'm obviously am invested, but yeah. it's not like I was in the, 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 uh, San Francisco game. I missed some of it because I was flying home from Vegas Okay, and like, if it was other years, I would have like changed my flight to fly out home yeah. later. Well, I, I've been so into it because I, you know, I never missed a game. I missed one game in 25 years and that's because Clark decided to be born in August. Um, no way. That's yeah. Ah. yeah. He's an August baby, but I had, I was so excited to be back in the stadium this year. So I, I, you yeah. know, I was, I would, you know, it's still, even though I knew they were probably going to lose to KC, I woke up in the morning going, I'm going to the game. So, you know, I was excited about that. So, you know, it was just, it was good to be, for me, it was just going to be back in the stadium. Yeah. yeah. The, Mal- the malaise wasn't there. I think Nicole's in a little bit of like a, um, She's a little like has like an Eagles hangover just from riding the Super Bowl. <laughs> See, here's the thing from riding the Super Bowl wave and then riding yeah. down. We're like yeah. we're in oh we're in oh five. I was I was younger, but I already went through that. Like I had that malaise yeah. and I just, you know, I had already gone through the what could have been. Yeah, you're ready to go five. back up. Yeah. So now I was just like, okay, it's turning into a shit show, you know, as quick yeah. quicker than I had thought but you know like it's the ebbs and flows it's in, it's wild and that's but I, why I think it was I think I'm not you to be honest I think you hit the nail on the head like in in life I'm a very even keel person like yeah. I really don't go up and down um you know my therapist always makes fun of me and she's just like that's just, <laughs> she's like you got a really stable head but like you know I always say like that when it I comes did. to like what well what no I'm just saying that like some people have depression or really bad depression, really bad anxiety, or they get, they have mood swings. And I'm like, my metabolism is slow, but like my mood is always the same. And, and so I think what happened was, was that like, it, what the Eagles was so low, like, you know, 2005 was high, but then there was a really long time where it was just like, and you were just like, go Eagles. And then, I mean, just like (laughs) from them drafting Carson Wentz. And I always tell the story how I was in, in line, you waiting to use an ice, uh, um, outhouse in Iceland when I got the <laughs> alert from ESPN that they were we were trading Sam Bradford because Teddy Bridgewater's um oh, yeah, Carson yeah. was starting and I remember I like was like what and these yeah. people are like looking at me my and I'm like Carson went to starting we just traded Sam Bradford and my friends are like what and I'm like in the middle of Iceland yeah. and so like that just like and then Carson played better than expected and then all of a sudden it was the sure. Super Bowl and and then all of a sudden it was like whoosh and it wasn't just like a we're losing it was like this the quarterback's gone the coach but that's part of that's part of being a sports fan i mean it's a roller coaster like i expect a roller coaster but listen do you want to be do you want to be the patriots and we're oh my god we only win championships that's fantastic but yes i only want to be a champion (laughs) that's it i listen i would like it but it's it's not realistic so it's i i I view it as a roller coaster. And my new, my new, I will say like, when I do get anxious, I get real anxious. And my new anxiety is that like, we're not going to give Joel Embiid a championship. Like he deserves a championship. The Sixers need to win a championship because of Joel. And like, that's all I could think about. I would like him to get one until he plays every game. I am not going to say he deserves one, but I'm a big fan. I'm not, I just, I, the, the load management thing bugs the crap out of me. I just want to give him a big hug. 
Come here, Joe. And yes. I could just hug I, him like, why? After what he had to do with Ben, I agree with you. I'd like to give him a big hug too. Yeah. That guy's a jackass. I know. <laughs> TBD on what's going to happen with that. It's going to, this could yeah. go on forever. And I know that. And I certainly hope it does. I want him to a, rot all season of, long. A lot of people <laughs> share that sentiment. Well, Rhea, we won't keep you any longer. This was so much fun. Thank you so much for um, You're welcome. Thank you guys for having me. I loved week. it. Oh, um, make sure so that you, um, Angelo Cataldi in the WIP morning show, Rhea Hughes, um, the best of the best, um, really trailblazer paved the one path for me in sports <laughs> talk radio in Philadelphia. Literally there was one path and it was her who, um, well, thank you. you guys are sweet. You guys are awesome. I really enjoy yeah. doing the show with you guys. That's and I put so lipstick much. on for you. Because it oh, was yeah. a lipstick leave. I don't have any lipstick on. I, you know, Natalie, at 7.30 <laughs> at night, I never put lipstick on because I'm going oh, to well, But I put you. lip gloss on for you guys because it was a lipstick leave. That's so thank cute. You. Thank you. We'll soon, Rhea. Mwah. All right, guys. Mwah. Mwah. See ya. Thank you. Bye. I know. I know.